Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Last time I was on Zoom, Zoom, I was doing a speed awareness course. Oh, really? Oh, no. <laughs> you can do it via Zoom. Well, yeah. That's a bit yeah. ironic with the name, name Zoom as well, isn't it? Britain. An ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts. Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... The General Witchfinders. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, goblins and ghouls, to the 20th episode, <laughs> our second decade of the General Witchfinders <laughs> podcast. I'm James in Bournemouth in Southern England. I'm John Pountney and I'm still here in the south of Wales, which is in the south of Wales. I'm Ross in Dorchester in Southern England and today we're going to cover Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy. The Frenzy. <laughs> The Alfred Hitchcock's The Frenzy. The Alfred Hitchcock. Seriously, <laughs> you are wondering why I am floating around London like this. I am on the famous Thames River investigating a murder. Rivers can be very sinister places. And in my new film, Frenzy, this river, you may say, was the scene of a very horrible murder. <laughs> Of course, one can never be sure where danger lurks. They tell me a dreadful crime was committed right in this building. My investigation next led me to this innocent alley, of which there are hundreds in London. But I don't think we should stay long. Something unpleasant is about to happen. (laughs) 
Another horrible murder. This is the famous London wholesale fruit and vegetable market, Covent Garden. Here you may buy the fruits of evil and the horrors of vegetables. I've heard of a leg of lamb, a leg of chicken, but never a leg of potatoes. How do you like my tie? How do you like it? My God. The tie. Frenzy is a 1972 British horror slash thriller film directed by Alfred Hitchcock, aged at time of production 71. It's the penultimate feature of his extensive career. The screenplay centred on a serial killer in contemporary London and the ex-RAF serviceman he implicates was, impl was written by Anthony Schaefer, uh, based on the 1966 novel Goodbye Piccadilly, Farewell Leicester Square by Arthur Laburn, who, in a letter to the editor of The Times, said he found Hitchcock's production and Schaefer's adaptation of his book appalling. Oh. The film, the film stars John Finch, Alec, uh, Alec McCowan and Barry Foster and features Billy Whitelaw, Anna Massey, Barbara Lee Hunt, Bernard Cribbins and yeah. Vivian Merchant. And TV's the, Clive Swift. Abs, yes. <laughs> produced the year before. The, famously, we'll probably have to cut this bit out, but he's famously a miserable bastard, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> we can leave that in because I think it's a, it's a general It's in public domain. And he's dead. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Double hit. <laughs> produced the year before, the curse of 1971 continued unabated as, along with poor Peter Cushing's wife's demise, Hitchcock's wife and longtime collaborator, Alma, had a stroke during production. As a result, some sequences were shot without Hitchcock on the set, so he could tend to his wife. Oh. Michael Caine was Hitchcock's first choice for the role of Rusk, the main antagonist. But Caine thought the character was disgusting and said, <laughs> I don't want to be associated... Oh, I can't even do a good Hitchcock, a good... Uh, I'm really sorry. I and don't said, want, to be want to be associated with, with the parts. I was, <laughs> I've not been locked in an attic. Uh, Foster... <laughs> Foster was cast after Hitchcock saw him in Twisted Nerve, which featured Frenzy co-star Billy White. Oh, that's a great film. Yeah. Helen Mirren, who later in life played Hitchcock's wife, Alma Reveal, in uh, Hitchcock, met with the director to discuss the role of Babs Milligan. Eventually, she rejected the role and years later said she regretted doing so. Who, who was it, James? I just, I was, I zoned out then. Helen Mirren. Who Helen Mirren. No way! Yeah. And so who was that? That was the one. That was the lady Abs. in the orange um, yeah. suit. And, and mm. who, who plays her? I can't remember. 
Massey. Yes. Yeah. What's her name? What's her first name? Anna. Anna Massey. Yes. Anna Massey. Yeah. So did we go to Massey. college with someone called Anna Massey? Anna Massey. Wasn't she in? The, that's not. Uh, th- there have been a number of Anna Masseys, I think. Was there? Um, is there not another act? That's a good point, Cleves. I feel like I know that name. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so she, she was Raymond Massey's daughter, who's in um, uh, Things to Come, and Daniel Massey's yes. sister. Or it's the other way around. I can't remember. Henry Mancini, who was originally hired as the film's composer, is quoted as saying, if the same film was made 10 years ago, it would have had twice the amount of music in it. After an enigmatic behind-the-scenes melodrama where Hitch was reported to have yelled, If I had wanted Bernard Herbert, I would have hired him! (laughs) The composer was fired and replaced by Ron Goodwin. The tagline for this movie was, Hitchcock's last masterpiece. This line would be prophetic, since this is now considered to be the last masterwork Alfred Mm. Hitchcock produced in his canon. Well done, James. That was a long one. Yeah, a few things to point out, like yes. um, like before you go on a flight. Mm. Which version did you watch? Did you watch the free YouTube version? Yes. Or... Mm. So the other version, and this is, I, and I don't know anything about the background to this, but there appears to be two versions where the version I watched has got very different intro music. Oh, so the one I watched, it was, it was like a Norman Wisdom film. And that's what I was going to say. The music weird. is discordant. Yeah. It does so not fit the tone at all. No. So the the one that I have watched and I've got on DVD is like, um, with the opening shot, is a bit like a tourist film. Yeah, that's what, yeah. yeah, that's what I saw. Which you, ex- you expect Terry Savalas to um, start yeah. talking about, like Sheffield hey. or something. Whereas, <laughs> and there's another version which has got thriller in inverted commas music. Ooh. Really? So because, really? I, because I felt like on the what version I watched, the music at the beginning mm. f- was so different to the music at the end. Yes. Because at the beginning it was it was yeah. like you said well, like, like a tourist thing. Yeah. yeah. Especially it's like when they were like, kind of music, yeah. Like Yeah, I expected yeah. it to sort of zoom in on to um Normal Wisdom's um uh, milkman <laughs> shop or something, you know. <laughs> His quivering bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um I can tell you a story about him. Well, we have, we, you, you did before, and we have to we have to blink. Oh, is it the same one? Yeah, we have to beef that out. Yeah. Oh, is it? Um, was it Sandy right. Toxvig? Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I was about to say, okay. eagle-eared listeners, we can now be able to go back and listen to earlier episodes and put two and two together without us implicating ourselves. Yeah. I can't remember who told me the story now, so I shouldn't really repeat it. But um, <laughs> what else was I going to say? This, I think we watched this on my urging because this is part of a loose trilogy, which isn't very loose because it's three films, <laughs> which for me is this um, Deathline and Dracula AD 1972. <clears throat> and in my head, they've all been set in the same fictional London. Right. But then oh, watching this okay. again for the first time in ages, I realised that one of the sets in this, when you first really see the two police officers... I think it's, if it isn't the same set, it is part of the same bit of set from Dracula AD 1972, where you oh. see the office of the police guy, mm-hmm. which is the yeah. blinds, and then looking out the window, you see like an out of focus kind of yeah, potentially, of yeah. It gave me. It looks exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gave me the, a similar sort of vibe to uh, Deafline when I was saying this feels like. What American Werewolf from London copied, you know, yes. is yeah, that so that all yeah. the whole idea, the whole thing when the you've got like the 
the, the cops trying to find out what's going on as well. Yeah, you've yeah, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got yeah. these almost like two films going on at once. At yeah. once. Yeah. yeah. You've got like a uh, police procedural comedy of errors, yeah. which in this film, as we'll see, is the, the guy with oh. his wife. Wife. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the highlight or low light of the film, whichever way you come at it, really. And the food that he has to eat, which oh, is disgusting. Yeah. It's so bizarre. But, um, I wondered if that was either, you know, that was like a nod towards kind of like us saying, oh, the, the English have got dreadful cuisine. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. Saying, having lived in Hollywood for years and having been told, oh, God, you, you limeys have got dreadful cuisine. <laughs> uh, like him kind of going like that. Like, yes. yeah, all right. And leaning into it. Mm, like, yeah. Or if it was just something else entirely. I love those sequences. And I think I could watch a whole film just of <laughs> those two people, like tr- him trying not to eat the food. The bit when he, when yeah. he, he wakes up Shilly's room and spits out the, um, the pig's foot. He does an amazing oh, thing gosh. where he kind of coughs through his um, <laughs> fingers. He makes his hand like a trumpet shape. Yeah. And, goes, <laughs> and it goes flying, yeah. which is brilliant. Apparently, the guy that played him, who I can't remember his name, it was a very, very respected theatre actor or theatre actor, we should probably say, um, who everyone loved and they just thought he was brilliant. And I can't, I can't remember. Alec McCowan. Yeah, Alec McCowan. So um, he was a very well loved man. I'd never seen this film and yes. I, I, I was keen to watch it. And I purposely didn't look anything about it before we started it. And I expected it to have Sean Connery in it. So I don't know what <laughs> film I was ex- expecting to watch. Like, he's going to turn up any minute. He's going to turn up any minute. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's <laughs> Marnie, which is 1965, which is TV. So that's really, that's his last Hollywood kind of, I don't want to say epic, because that's also quite a weird film. There's some terrible bits where Tippy Hedron is riding a horse and it's back projection. <laughs> And it just looks like the you know the horse is covered in felt. Well, I'm gonna say the beginning of this film for me yes. sort of um, summed up that it felt like a, a very um, and we've said this about some other films um, we've covered. Mm. It felt like the the crossover between old old yes. old style films and yeah. new style films. So yeah. Yeah, the yeah, beginning yeah, when yeah, you yeah. you had this sort of like it must have been a helicopter going up the yeah. Thames, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, and it was going pretty low as well. And yeah. I was thinking, yeah, but. Um, Sort of coming in and then having like this speech um, uh, on the on the banks of the Thames, which looked very much like the the, the spot where the TARDIS landed in Deep Breath when Bacardi's um, <laughs> first episode. But um, and but the way that they had like people talking over what the action was, yes, when yeah. it, it felt really and, old-fashioned. Yeah, and that talking doing like a lot like a lot of the legwork in terms of the plot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've written. Oh, I wonder if it's the next high killer. Yeah. He's killed a lot of people recently in that way that people don't talk. Yeah. Like that, that Greek chorus. And I felt like, well, this is quite unfashioned. Yeah. And when yeah. I saw that, I thought, oh God, this is going to be bad. I love the accents as well. Cause it's like, oh, it's a necktie killer. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's obvious that it's like really kind of souped up and kind of like over the top kind of copyisms, yes. which are really, which a lot of the film is like a kind of, Almost Dickensian kind of London in in what was modern London then, isn't it? Which is what mm. you've got to kind of remember. Uh, Hitchcock's father was um, a market trader in Covent yeah. Garden. Ah, and Covent Garden wasn't okay. like that anymore. And they put no. it back to what it looked like. Yes. Well, for exactly. the, I was about film. to go, that's, it's weird. But also, yeah. as with so much of our 1970s stop-offs in London's that we've had, it's been that thing of going, 
oh my god look at what london used to be like mm. and then in that at the start when they showed you i thought i could have sworn they'd taken the fruit and veg market out of covent garden yeah. by yeah. that point it and was so, probably oh, all derelict you. at that point and when you look at pictures of um Spitalfields from the 1960s, mm. late 60s. It's just full of tramps, and mm. it's like <laughs> it looks post-apocalyptic. And I think Covent Garden was probably the same at that point. Yeah, as well. so I think it was part of Hitchcock trying to sort of uh, call back to the the London of his youth a little bit. The, no- yeah. the nostalgic London of you know rape, murder, <laughs> um, Jack the Ripper. As they said earlier, a, 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 they saw us like a good juicy sex murder. Oh God, yes. Um, so we open with this with a helicopter scene that flies in, and then you've got a kind of posh mayor or kind of dignitary politician or something, yeah, yeah. Um, giving a speech about how they're cleaning up the river, uh, cleaning up pollution <laughs> in the river, and then obviously people stop listening to him, and then then the reveal is that there's a naked woman in the river mm. who has been murdered with, it, and she's got a tie around her neck. She looks like she's written, snorkeling. Yeah. Then I've written jokes about rape, two question marks. Um, it's just already, it's this kind of... Helen and I have been talking about this for a while now. We always have talking pictures on, as you know. And um, films from the 40s and 50s are really kind of... Um, they're well-scripted and the men and the women are very equal kind of protagonists in a lot of the films, like the Powell and Pressburger films. And then you see a lot of the 60s films where it just, and I think we talked about this before with like Carry On Cabby, mm. where a lot of the um, the sexuality in the films becomes really skewed and distorted and weird. I think it's because and, they're suddenly allowed to do some more of that stuff. and then. But I, I, I don't know if it's effective or even realistic mm. that it suddenly becomes just really weird and over the top. And this film, it really like, is very much that all the way through. You're just like, what is this kind of bizarre yeah. treatment of w- women where, you know, it's just like, oh, women, oh, God. Where they're in the pub at the start, these two kind of judges or solicitors or barristers are talking about the murders. The doctors, aren't they? Yeah, is that what they are? And yeah. then, the, then the, the landlady is like, oh, I've heard that he rapes them before he kills them. And, yeah. just like, and he goes on and he says, I've written it down, um, uh, there's got to be some silver lining, isn't there? It's just that they get, like, get a good scene to before they get killed so they can enjoy that. Oh rapes. my God. Yeah. And it's just like, within like 10, 15, 20 years, films have gone from being actually quite progressive to being really quite turgid and kind of mm. sexist claptrap and i think british cinema from this point actually went really downhill um following this kind of thing where it was like or oh, to get people into the cinemas we need to get more and more nudity more and more sex and violence into the films and mm. that's not actually what 99 percent of people you know they do just want to watch a film that makes sense and, mm. and you know has a story and and that's what this whole film made me think that that it veers wildly between a really interesting good film with really dark humor to something that is kind of almost discountable because it's so um distasteful mm-hmm. uh, and i found it really strange from the beginning because i haven't watched it for years and um yeah, it just looks so old now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah I, I, when I was watching it, I watched it a second time today, and I was thinking, yeah. 
if I could turn the colour down on YouTube, I wouldn't mind watching it in black and white. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you consider that it's it was made more recently than the Beatles in Get Back, which everyone's talking about at the moment. Yeah. And it's like that looks really fresh and it, and the way they're talking to each other looks really just normal and everything. And then you've got this film where the dialogue is like Dickensian. It's just really weird. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like um, it, there was a strange sort of point where a lot of stuff had to be implied. So you had to imply yeah. that they were having sex. Yeah, but yeah, then, yeah, but then yeah. every so often they thought, okay, well, we can show a boob here. So they, they, yeah, they really yeah. went to town with showing the boob. Anyway, let's get back yeah. to the plot. So yeah. What happened after the uh, they found the body in the water, and we see Hitch in the um in the in the crowd. Yeah, in the crowd. Yes, stood there. Yes. Um, we then kind of move over to a very vibrant looking Covent Garden, which, as we've mm. discussed already, is probably fake. Um, <laughs> and I've written this is the London of Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. Yeah, because you see yes. the pubs, and you see it's not it's not the same swing in London, but it's still that kind of vibe, isn't it? The yeah. colours are very uh, similar. Um, and then you're introduced to Jean Marsh with her big Deirdre Rashid glasses, who is the secretary of, I mean, there's quite a lot of characters in this, isn't mm-hmm. there? So you've got the main guy, the hero, who isn't much of a hero. Um, Dick, and, isn't it? Well, I was <laughs> going to well, say. That's my or, thought about him. I don't. Is his name Dick? I think his name is Dick. Uh, is it? But, uh, so he's John Finch. Yeah, Dick Finch. Yes. Oh no, John Finch. John, John Finch. Finch. I don't know. Like, well, I don't actor. know. Where I got Dick from then. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but he all the way through he plays this um, as Withnell, doesn't he? From Withnell and I, the way he d- it delivers oh, all of the gosh. lines is like, "I'm a trained actor reduced to the status of a bum." <laughs> Absolutely. Just, well. I wrote, and it's no secret that I have trod the boards from time to time. And I've done a bit of that. You know, I've, I've dipped my toes in the swirling waters of amateur dramatics, darling. But yes. I, I would say that, like, the, his role, as I watched it, I was like, this is like me acting. All the way through, it was, it was kind of like the, the over, like at one point he went, Christ! Damn it to hell! Twenty to one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not joking. If you want to rewatch it, that is it could have been Michael Bryan, couldn't it? It was just like ridiculous, yeah, ridiculous overreacting the yes. whole time. Well, I think that that was a bit in the film where they were trying to make out that he potentially could be the killer. So there are yes, lots of people all talk- over the show. Yeah, they they keep talking about. Um, being able to uh, not be able to control their emotions, being able to go yes, into a fix yeah. of rage and all that. But that kind was of very overcooked, wasn't it? And it yeah. was. I think that that was. Can I just say that Anthony Schaefer um, was also also wrote um, the Wicker Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize so that. that was. Very, I found that very interesting because I saw the name at the start and I was like, oh, I know that name. Well, um, uh, yeah, knowing nothing of it, I I fell for that it, that the, the the thing at the beginning where they were set oh, up really? to be him. Did because, you? Because when they ah. said, oh, the um the top the, the uh, necktie killer, they cut to him putting his tie on in the pub yes. and all that kind of mm. stuff. I was like, oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, cause I knew when I first saw it who the killer was. So I've never really come to it fresh eyes. So that's, that's quite interesting, actually. And I think watching it now, that, can, that d- kind of does work well. So you're introduced to like quite a mishmash of characters. You've got Barry Foster, who's the kind of kindly, your Uncle Bob, who's the kind of grosser, He's quite a flash guy, isn't he? Then you've got it kind of implies that he's he's evolved with a little bit of sort of underground sort of um, 
sort of yes. criminality and stuff. I found I found he was like a cross between um, John Pertwee and Peter O'Toole. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit of a funny hand, handshakes kind of guy, isn't he? Um, and then you've got so then you're introduced also to John Finch, who is our kind of nominal hero, but he isn't much of a hero. He works for Cribbins in a pub. Mm. Um, he's helping himself. And then basically yeah. Cribbins doesn't like what he sees. And, and uh, Cribbins takes any opportunity to become a bastard, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a bastard. <laughs> and he's out on his ear, basically. I don't care yeah. that you're a war hero. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, looking at him, I don't think he's old enough to have been in, I think, is it Suez? The Suez. The, Su- yeah, the Suez crisis yeah. that they yeah. that he was he, involved there's in. There's no yeah. way he could have been in the Suez crisis because that was 55 or something. So that's seventeen years before. Well, this we don't know when this set. film is is set, do we? Because um, if if Covent Garden is still active, so it could be. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. Um, but it was weird yeah. seeing Cribbins say bastard, and also saying um, he he's more often pulling your tits rather than pulling tights. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole time he was doing that because of the era burn of Cribbins. <laughs> All right, said Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, I've got something to show you. I've got something to show you. Oh, 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 and also... Um, he said, righto. Is he also... Um, is he in the Railway Children as well? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah so I think that's the same, oh, oh. same era, isn't it? What's he got? See, it's large, whatever it is. Yeah, this is my brother got this for my birthday. This is, this is the Mister Shifter album. Wow! Bernie Cribbins telling the stories of the the uh, the PG Tips monkeys along with um, various different songs. Cyril no. so the world's greatest cyclist. Um, uh, the Cold Peppers on their Spanish holiday. Mister Shifter, the removal wow. man. Wow! Wow! That, Look at that. that. That must have been an an electric day in London's Tin Pan Alley, I'm imagining. But that was recorded in five minutes. I was going to say, is that not the same Mr. Shifter that sold the songs when we were just 50? But I think that's Mr. Sifter. Sifter. So then we're introduced to... um, Babs Minigan as well, who's who's worked in the pub. So So she's... His kind of girlfriend. Well, she's the one of, um, who uh, uh, accuses um, Bernard Cribbin of always fingering her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like some of the lines in this part are so weird. Like, what does that mean? I presume it doesn't mean the obvious thing that it means. No. But is that to do with like. Just touching her up, I imagine. No, no, no. As, like... as in kind of blaming her for things but, yeah like you've been you know like Put the police the oh, yeah, oh, okay. the, yeah that's yes. how i read it uh, that's what i was desperately hoping um, <laughs> so on being um there's quite a lot of plot so i think we're gonna have to whiz through this aren't Sorry. We? Yeah. so basically um john finch then whizzes over to see his ex-wife somewhere in london who has got a dating agency or marriage agency which which really reminds me of the Carry On film where Sid and Hattie Jakes have got a computer that yeah. that <laughs> lines oh, people up. I can't think what it's called. Carry On Loving, probably. Probably, is it? yeah. Carry On Getting Married or Carry On Whatever. So then he goes in there, he meets Jean Marsh. Jean Marsh has obviously got a real problem with. She's the secretary. She's obviously got a real problem with men. Um, mm. She goes out for lunch and then she hears that they're arguing um, and she draws uh, the wrong conclusion, basically. 
Um, so then he goes off. He has a meal with his wife, ex-wife. Um, he's rude to the waitress. And at one point he gets so angry that he crushes a glass in his hand, which is Rawr. the most angry I've ever seen anyone in a film besides Superman when he crushes the... Um, does he crush a snooker ball and he flicks a peanut and he breaks a bottle or something, doesn't he? In Superman 3. <laughs> yeah, but is the- that the bad Superman? Bad, and he's flicking the pe- peanuts and smashing the mirrors behind the, the thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, I see, yeah. Mirrors? Yes. It's yeah. the one where he crushes a snooker ball as well. And blows it into someone's face, yeah. Yes. But he also crushes, I mean, I he also crushes a piece of coal to make a diamond in Superman. Nice. I, I probably haven't seen those films for 30 years, yeah. but that's all it reminded me of. So, obviously, what the film, and, and as Cleaver has said here, what the film is trying to do at this point is create this kind of tissue of circumstance that you can believe that john finch is the killer yeah um but then pretty much straight away then you have the situation where he goes off i think he spends the night in the salvation army Mm -hmm. which is mad as if that you know i was like that's a bygone era that's gone oh it reminded me of down and out in uh was it down like in london and paris with my um oh what is it paris george orwell george orwell Yeah. yeah Yeah, which is an amazing book, but also incredibly harrowing. Isn't it fascinating to think that that was it, like the early 70s, they were still... But actually, in itself, it's, it's quite a good well. idea that, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, homeless people actually did have somewhere to go. I like those blankets. I like yeah. those blankets. <laughs> now, if someone thought up the idea, they'd be like, wow, this is an amazing idea. Like, uh, these people yeah, yeah. can all sleep in a room. And while he's laying there, an old tramp at- attempts to uh, pick his pocket, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Thus, yeah. The co- but that tramp this later on him. Um, mm. has his balls bitten off by a rat. <laughs> <laughs> In James Herbert's The Rats. <laughs> rats. Uh, and then he, he gets his head smashed in by an angry um, female tramp. Yeah. I can't, I can't oh. even remember what happened in that sequence now, but you know the sequence. I think she, she's just, um, says they can have sex with them, but then ridicules them because they can't get, they can't get it up. And yeah. then they does she chop his willy off? Or, or does no, the, a, a rat just gnaws it off. <laughs> just. Yeah. And they mentioned some kind of um, booze they drink, which is like red wine mixed with meths, and it's got a special name. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. That's wow. Potent sounding mix, yeah. isn't it? I think Charlotte Church, Church used to drink that. One. She used to come into Jumping Jack. Is that a cheeky Don't... Vimto? <laughs> True story. All right, that's, um, that's up there with. I, I'll never forget the the one night we went into. We went to see a gig in town at the uh, what is for all intents and purposes the Student Union venue yes and when we went in there i was like oh just get get a drink in and on tap they had hooch Ooh. and i was on so tap? aghast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. i was like oh, hooch on tap just like and then i was like i've got to have one yeah but I said, oh, i've got, I've got to try like- one and just as i was drinking it i was like when we were like 16 17 this is like yeah, hooch. Whereas drinking it just like just like sweet acid yeah it yeah, is, yeah. And it really makes <laughs> Back in your throat. But I remember yeah. when I worked on the cash and carry when Hooch came out. That yeah. they, um, they was it was like one sort of one pack per off license. We had to we had to sort of um, what they do you were call rationing. Ration, ration, ration. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was allowed to have one for my um for my seventeenth birthday. I think they let me have one to take yes. home. I think yeah. I only ever drank some, and it was like um, 
it just it stayed in the back of his throat. Yes, like vomit. Yeah, yeah. Like, keep doing like stringy stomach spit. acid. Yeah. Yeah, and then, oh. then they brought out two dogs, which was like the uh, yeah. sort of a similar one. And then, we, we, oh god, we used to have VK in Jacks, and um, oh, it would so I would always fun. like make me laugh that like where where it would be spilt onto like surfaces, like wood surfaces. Like at the end of the night, people would wipe it up, and it would take the varnish off the tables, off. <laughs> and it, it literally was like boring through the wood. It was like alien blood. <laughs> like that's people. that's that's what they were brewing in those big vats in quite a mass too wasn't it yeah. it burns <laughs> it's food and it burns, burns. <laughs> but i could get two bottles of it for two pounds yeah. we gotta gotta get them all in before like nine o'clock so you just line them all up a pound to get in and then like five bottles of bk blue yeah oh, oh Jesus god, god. And then wow. the manager, Adrian, would have turned up the thermostat to 90 degrees. So everyone was like sweating pints in there. So they yeah. drink more. Well, you went, I remember uh, going to the Jacks in Bournemouth and um, for, for ages, like the fire alarm was just going off in there. And it was just still dark. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the flashing light and the, um, yeah. and the woo, 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 guess- woo. And I just go, just put on the theme, the theme to um, Baywatch again. You know? <laughs> People running in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. anyway so, but, so uh, then on friends. drinks yeah. yeah when he uh the next day he goes to it's a, he goes into a pub doesn't he and i this is one of my large notes oh yes he, he I goes like I, I want a brandy yeah no, come on put, put put more than that in there <laughs> once again in his yeah. bad overacting but with, so it's basically, with Nell again isn't it it's like yeah ice in the side I tri- <laughs> yeah i want a triple brandy which he then brings him back and then he pays with a pound yeah. and gets yeah. changed. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Triple brandy changed for a pound. Oh, the days of pounds. Man. No, Imagine no. the kids these days that pay for everything with their phones. Phones. Yeah. Giving them pound notes to deal with. Yeah. I, I like when he screwed up his five pound notes to chuck and burn yeah. in face. <laughs> I remember pound notes and I remember half pennies as well. Yes. So I'm yes. just on the yeah. cusp of real kind of ancientness um i've just realized that i've noted down the main character is called dick blaney yeah um yeah so, so it's not richard blaney then as imdb no, says i'm sure yeah i thought it was called dick as well dick yeah there's always a dick in films like this isn't there um so um so what happens then is quite neatly we have established that the world is going to see dick blaney as the as the baddie and then we cut to the next day when his his wife, his ex wife, has gone into her job, and then Bob comes in. Um, Uncle Bob, who is the who is the villain, um, who is the brilliantly horrible, creepy Barry Foster in this, and I, I Vandervolk. Yeah, he's Vandervolk. He's and I can't imagine anyone taking on this character these days for fear that they'd be typecast as a... Mm. As a you can see why Michael Caine turned it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he's absolutely... I find bloody disgusting. That's right. <laughs> well, That's got, better. Well done. Thank he you. has absolutely... I mean, playing a rapist, there's, you know, there's, I don't know how you could play it that he's got any remitting features, but he is a really toe-curlingly um, disgusting character. He is. Um, Always picking his teeth. Oh, he's picking his teeth. Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock, when we see him kind of, you know, we we see him murdering 
uh, yes. a character and he his uh, modus operandi is to go oh, lovely <laughs> lovely lovely all the way through isn't it that's kind of like he's like yes. the lovely next yes. killer which does remind me slightly of mind the doors oh, mind yes. the doors yeah. you know, he didn't say that as he came that. though no no <laughs> well you don't know so um so yeah, so so he goes in, he goes into the marriage agency, and I don't know if we are meant to think or even care at this point that he has anything to do with Dick Blaney in terms of no, I think, instigating I think he, Dick Blaney. No, I think he's been going to this place looking for people who are into S and M, basically. That's yes, right. and yes. they can't find any for him. But they, but they weren't they, allowed to say that. No. <laughs> yes. So they call him Mr. Robinson in inverted commas, and they say that you he's looking for women with certain peculiarities in inverted commas. There's no fet life and, back then. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be interested in people like you. And I thought that scene was really well scripted and really well put together. I've written here, sex is like a constant theme of disgrace. <laughs> I don't know if that's autobiographical or... Um, <laughs> or it's the revelation. Film. Yeah. You can't really... Um, it's just incredibly uncomfortable viewing yeah. from mm. what, which, whatever way you look at it. And I think that his, um, his aim had all, always been to depict a rape scene, and I don't really know why. He's a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it felt I, like he was trying to outdo the, the, uh, the shower scene a little yes. bit because he could show more, but I don't think it, it, it gave any more. And there was a weird... No. You know, there's a weird bit where they're kind of implying that he's actually penetrating her, but they can't do it too much. And therefore, it makes it yeah. feel weird and what's going on. It's, well, you it's, never it's, see him undo his trousers. Exactly. Though, so he's dry humping her. Yeah. And, and then she starts, she's, and she's like, um, quoting some poem while it's happening as well. Yes. That's like, very, that's very odd. That's very kind of Hitchcockian. And that was the only kind of angle of it that I thought kind of worked. But I thought in general it was just deeply unpleasant. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, that might be his aim, but it's like I suppose it's, it is an unpleasant thing to ha to happen. It's not yeah, it's just not very you can't really you know, it's not entertaining. You didn't need to show, didn't need to show it, basically. No, no, not at all. You, you could you can convey the horror of that event. Yeah. Without can, filming it and framing yeah. it in the way that he and especially as the amount him. of humour in this film as well, yes. it kind of makes it feel a little yeah. bit strange. Yeah. You can literally have him close the door. That well, well, they, the like they do with, a, the, with another killing later yeah. on. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Which which is amazing and which works really, really well when he takes um, Babs into the flat, and then you have this kind of um, tracking shot that pulls all the way out yeah. of the. And then the silence moves from the silence to the kind of bustle of the outside. Doesn't yes, it? that's yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and that's pure. That's the best pop. bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, looking, yeah, at, yeah. looking online as so well, that looks like it's one shot, but it's two. Um, yes, mm. there is a there is There's an a cat. edit as someone yeah. walks past. Yeah. yeah, we watched. Um, we were watching a film on Talking Pictures the other day, which was called Young and Innocent, and I was like, oh, God, I've never heard of this. It's a terrible title, and I was watching it. And it wasn't very good. And then there's this amazing crane shot where the camera goes all the way through this party and then it comes in <laughs> it comes in and in and in on this guy's face who's playing the drums. Uh, but the trouble is the whole band are blackface. Oh no! <laughs> so you basically 
you can't Cancelled. show this any. You can't show this yeah. anymore. <laughs> but the whole the whole band are like Al Jolson blackface. Oh. So they've got white gloves on and they've got the proper like Al Jolson stuff. But the camera comes right in on the guy's face and then he starts twitching. And I was like, I'm sure this is a hit. Um, I'm sure this is ripping off Hitchcock. Mm. But when I looked it up, it actually is a Hitchcock film. Wow. It, was, it was one of his last films he made before he went to Hollywood. Oh. And, and it's pure Hitchcock. And when you see that kind of thing where he plays with this um, idea of going from this kind of wide scene where you can't really guess what the kind of focus is. Mm. And then it goes in, in, in. And then you end up literally on a close-up of a guy's face from a, from a really wide party. In, in Frenzy, he does the opposite, doesn't he? He shows them go into the flat. Mm. Then the camera withdraws. It goes all the way down the stairs. And then it comes out into Covent Garden. And then the, the sound lifts and you hear the kind of, Whoa, apples and pears and oh, well, but they do a similar thing in this one as well. They come out of the um out of the dating agency as well, mm. don't they? Which is excellent. Yes, yes. <laughs> and which, yeah. But the, the idea of the modus was that like the fear of something horrific or something awful like that is going on behind, behind yeah. doors. every cl- any closed curtain that yeah, you're walking yeah, yeah. by, yeah. and that the city masks. Which is it. the feeling I get every time I go to Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> Because I always feel like something horrible is happening in Bournemouth. It's got a den of iniquity. That's the strap line for this podcast. I always feel something horrible is happening in Bournemouth. <laughs> and there's a picture of that spaceship going up and down on the... Um, is there a spaceship that goes up and down on a tower or something? That's like, a Weymouth. That, that, that was the oh, Weymouth oh. eye they had for the Olympics. When she dies, there's a very weird effect where they kind of use a still of her dead. Mm. Yeah. Which doesn't really work because it's yeah with the tongues hanging out and it just looks very strange then he and and it shows the era that that it's in he goes over to her table and takes a bite out of an apple mm-hmm. yeah and it's like anyone any copper now would be like oh exactly, check yeah. the well, dna yeah left juice well, everywhere well, bit of right. apple <laughs> this is one of the things that i've uh, one of my notes i've put now i know that famously they say that all psychopaths or, or, or serial killers want to be caught mm. but that's the whole thing it's that please stop you know stop me before i kill again but what i put is that he's a shambles <laughs> he's like he'd be caught in about 30 seconds like yes like even though they say oh lots of people come in and out of that office yeah. so you won't be, you won't be able to get any prints well how about you get all the fucking fingerprints <laughs> off of the door yeah. and then eliminate the suspects one at a time for crying out loud and, and then you're right, he's taking a bite out of the apple. Yeah. He would have touched it and he's like, oh, but the money's gone from her bag. Fingerprint the fucking bag. <laughs> well, you can't. It's the police of like rubbing their hands all over hands it. A- yeah. Oh, we watched a, um, We watched a very good um, Tales of the Unexpected today where Susan George kills her husband with a frozen leg of lamb. <laughs> so she hits him over the head, and then the, the chief kind of investigating officer is Brian Blessed, who's oh, really low-key for Brian yeah. Blessed. But then um, the kind of um, reveal is that um, she cooks the lamb and um, gives it to all the policemen so they eat uh. the evidence. But it's like, would would police sit down, down. and say yes to a meal <laughs> in the crime scene? <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's a great idea, but as if they would actually do that in real life, be like, oh, yeah, oh, well, 
that leg of lamb is, you know, this guy's just been bludgeoned over the head with a blunt instrument. It's, it's been suggested we do um, uh, an episode or two of um, Tales of the Unexpected. Oh, yes, I'd like to do that. Yeah, yeah. That, when did you watch good. it, John? Uh, it's on Sky Arts in the afternoon. Okay. There's, a, there's, like, there's always like a double header. Um, yeah, we should do some of the Hammer House of Horror TV series yeah, as well. That's from Breakbox, so we could do that. There's some classics. Diana Dawes is a werewolf. Uh, oh, that's awful, awful, that one. Right? The one, the black fingernail one mm-hmm. as well, which is my favourite. Any um, of the Roald Dahl ones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Roald Dahl ones are the best for Tales of the Unexpected because you always get the intro of him sat in his dressing gown, which is really weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've often thought that murder <laughs> is, a, is, a bad, is a bad evening between friends. <laughs> you know, something like that at the start. Of, and by the way, I hate the Jews. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I remember, by the way, we, we've gone very, you know, off beam tonight, but it doesn't matter. But I remember at some point when I, when I was an undergraduate uh, saying at university, Roald Dahl was massively anti-Semitic and loads yeah. of people going, no, he wasn't. Um, don't <laughs> say that about Roald Dahl. I'm like, I'm telling you, the twits is just basically yeah. out and out anti-Semitism. Yeah, For yeah, years, yeah. I felt like I carried this cross. And I think like when I worked at Borders as well, I said to people, you do Talking realize of, massive... um, hating the Jews. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you do realize he's a massive anti-Semite. And then recently it's come out. He what like his family have gone, we do have to apologize for the fact he was I was like, I fucking told everyone this. <laughs> um but anyway, thank you. I got that off my chest. Yeah. Now. I knew it. <laughs> Walked past his house the other day in uh, Landaff in Cardiff. Oh. Landaff. Mm. So anyway. Um, That's where Matt Smith had his first adventure. Oh. Yeah, well, literally, it is just by there, yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there is a very Hitchcockian and very effective thing where, as you say, the camera withdraws from what's happening and it just stays on the street and it stays on the street for ages. Mm. Two women walk past, You, Jean Marsh goes in, you don't cut away, nothing happens, and then you hear the scream and she's obviously found the body. Which is amazing, mm. but for me it's like, that murder, like, yeah. uh, that made me feel like, this, this is just like really low level titillation, yeah, yeah, hor- yeah, yeah. horrible, That's I don't point. know what she is. Yeah. And then it cuts to that and I think this is one of the best films I've ever seen. And it's, yeah. It had that kind of real sort of like dichotomy for me. Like where it, yeah. it jumps backwards and forwards to me thinking this is amazing to thinking, oh, this is which, a bit. Which for me, th- this film is the ultimate mashup of, like I said, like you've got the 40s and 50s films, which are really sophisticated. <laughs> and then you've got the 60s and 70s films, which are literally the pits where like any twat would fund a film that I'd got some sex kitten in and it would just, there'd be no story. There was one on the other night, Virgin Witch, which I remember getting out when we were in college and just thinking, this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's got, you know, it's just pseudo um, uh, supernatural rubbish. But it's it, the main thing that's good about it, it, it. When I say good, it's in inverted commas, is that it's um, Vicky Michelle, and whoever her sister is, who later found fame in uh, TV's A Low, A Low, as the Virgin <laughs> Witches. Um, so you- I, d- I did tell you once I worked with someone who I looked on their browser history and there was just like loads of loads of like Vicky <laughs> Michelle topless pictures on there. <laughs> so when you say you worked with someone, do you mean I worked with this guy called Ross Cleaver? No, no, it's, it's someone you know. I always preferred um, Mimi LeBonk myself. Mimi LeBonk. <laughs> um, so my my from here, my notes are quite sporadic because it's quite a. There's a it's a long film, but it's also packed with quite a lot of plot. Yeah. So he goes off. He goes off. He takes um, Babs off to a hotel. Um, he's yeah. telling about how his coat is stinking of um, amazing. Like, tramps. The, the, tramps. These scenes are amazing, which made me feel like they would all stink anyway because yeah. none of them had showers. So, and it feels like people just wore the same clothes all over and over and over again. He literally wears the same clothes for the whole fucking. And they're film. all smoking as well. So, like, doesn't matter if you've been to a tramps sort of a hostel. You <laughs> you fucking stink anyway, mate. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, they go to the hotel. And, they do a whole and thing they mention about his weird jacket. Yes. Oh, his jacket. I love that. These two people. So, like the bellboy, who's like a hundred, and like the woman, the receptionist. Yeah, and they kind um, of like, he talks about like he, he hates the um the lust of men as well. So it's sort of like implied that he might be gay as well. And yes, that's good. So but, he so he um Dick gives his name as Mister Oscar Wilde, 
Um, and this, uh, it's very like like a 1930s kind of farce where um, they're looking for a room and the, the only room that they can be given is called the Cupid Room. Mm. And then later on, um, when, when they think a murder has happened in there, the woman is like, not in the Cupid Room. Um, so, and, and one thing I did notice with that scene as well, a bus goes past and on the bus is advertised Shambhalsi yogurts. Oh, nice. I had no idea that Shambhalsi yogurts were in the UK so early. I, I would have thought that they were in 1980s. I just got to say that this is, uh, John, this is a, an example because Beck's been listening to our podcast while she's been mm. wrapping presents today. Mm. And she came and, uh, I, I, what do you think? The main uh, takeaway she had was that John is incredibly observant and would be a, a, an expert witness in a crime. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you pick up the, 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 the smallest details and yes. recall them very well. Shambhorsi. So you had the hippopotamus, <laughs> which I think was Shambhorsi, wasn't it? Which was the chocolate. I think that was the chocolate. Yes. So that that would have been 86 to 88, something like mm-hmm. that. I had no idea that... um. That Shambhorsi was, a, but I don't think you can get Shambhorsi now in um, no. the UK, which is quite sad. French, you know, it's Brexit. I'm not a, not a yogurt fan, so I, this is not an area of my Well, expertise. you like a whipped mousse, surely, don't no, you? No, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a dessert fan. Oh, really? Anyway, he sends his clothes off to be cleaned. And obviously mm. this again becomes part of the tissue of the conspiracy, doesn't it? That, he, you know, he mm. wants his clothes clean. Then it turns out they've escaped. And there's a bit of a confrontation with Babs in the park, and he manages. Because it's in the newspaper them. that they want to, they want to. Um, uh, question yes, him. him yes. So he manages to convince Bab that he's not the murderer, and then bizarrely, out of nowhere, we're introduced <laughs> to TV's Clive Swift and <laughs> Billy Whitelaw, who it just looks to me like Billy Whitelaw's in it because it's like, oh, Alfred Hitchcock's in town making a film. Do you want to be in it? And yes. it's like, we'll write you a scene in. Yeah. And then that's that's it, isn't it? There's no other reason for it to be in the film. Clive Swift does nothing. He basically plays Richard Bouquet. Yeah, hey. that, <laughs> he's basically got. A I, I, I got a swingers husband. vibe off them myself. Yeah, big swingers vibe. So they live in a posh block of flats. They're trying to. Um, well, uh, Richard Bouquet wants to look after Dick, but his <laughs> but his wife doesn't want to. Billy doesn't want White Dick. Law. Doesn't oh. want Dick hanging around. Well, Babs goes back uh, to the <laughs> Babs goes back to, to um, get her stuff because they they say they they could run away to France with them because they don't need a passport oh, yeah, to do a, a day yeah, trip yeah, to yeah. France. Yeah, yeah. When she goes back, um, uh, she has a com- yeah she has a confrontation with um, Bernard Cribbins who uh, drops tries in that pulling her tits. yeah tries tries fingering her and pulling her tits and <laughs> and calls um, Dick a bastard. <laughs> but then Again. she but then. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bobby Rusk oh, uh, offers to go and get her stuff for her. And, Who's um, Bobby Rusk? That's uh, Robert. Robert Rusk. Oh, Bobby. That, I was thinking of um, what's his name? Bobby. Um, Bobby Duffer. Crush. <laughs> Bobby <laughs> On Crush. The piano. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's not in this film. Thank God. Um, yes, that's right. That's right, Cleves. Go on, carry on. Um, Bobby Russ offers to um, put her up for the night while she's waiting to yes. go off to France. Obviously, because that's what happens. Yeah. He said, no strings attached. But as yeah. she takes her up to the stairs, he says, you're my kind of girl, which is what he said mm, to the other girl just before yeah. he um, uh, raped and murdered her. So that yeah. we know and that's that. when we have the brilliant masterpiece shot where 
the 71 or 72 year old, whatever you said, Hitchcock still has it and he does the with, withdrawal of the camera uh, yeah. down the stairs and out into the. Um, but then we are introduced then to our police officers and I've written Michael Sheard, TV's Michael Sheard, question mm. mark. So TV's Grange Hills, Mr. Bronson and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusades, Adolf Hitler. Of Hitler. Michael Sheard, and... I'm sure, is in one one scene leaning on a bar. Oh, I don't he's not on the he's not on IMDb. He's but not, he is could, he? He could oh. have been. And Admiral Ozzel from uh, Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, I think there's one scene where he's leaning on a bar in this well, era. He's, he's not listed, but it could be him. Um, John, can you name what Doctor Who's he was in as well? Oh, he was one, um, one with Sylvester McCoy. I remember Pyramids yeah. of, one of Mars. He's yeah, he's re- um, Remembrance of the, of the Daleks. Daleks. Yeah. He's the headmaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel sorry for him in uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, actually. So was he in Was he in Spearhead from Space, John? No, <laughs> he wasn't. I think that's pre Michael Sheard's time. Oh, okay. I heard John Culshaw on Nahal with Nahal on Five Live today. What Neverending Stories, Nahal? Is there someone called that in Neverending Story? No, I was getting mixed up with this, the guy who sang it. Lamal <laughs> Ross. Lamal <laughs> from Kajagoogoo. <laughs> so, um. You know who John Coltshaw is, obviously. Yes, we do. The, yes. the impression. So he started for no reason doing an impression of Nicholas Courtney as the Brigadier <laughs> from TV's Doctor Who. And while I was driving along, it brought tears to my eyes to hear Nicholas Courtney's, oh. even an approximation of, of Nicholas Courtney's voice to the, to the nation. And I just thought, what a wonderful thing to hear <laughs> someone pretending to be Nicholas Courtney, like 50 <laughs> years after that character even was on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, all I've got it written now is stuff like "Oh balls," "Silence," "Bob," and then you've got a, you've got the whole of your life ahead of you. You know, sometimes how weirdly we are in sync. Because just to show you that I'm not making this up, you can see that uh, at the start of this, I was going to say, out of all the films we've done, this is the one that I did the fewest amount of notes on. And you can yeah. see that from my notes that it says "55 minutes in," and I'm struggling. Oh. <laughs> and, like, I just uh... so why are you struggling, James? You just didn't care about it, or? Well, you know, apart from you know, the, the things which we've already kind of highlighted, that whole thing of, oh, look, 70s London versus Hitchcock, you know, kind of pulling out a couple of the, like, the, the classic Hitchcock moves, as said. But then, as John absolutely, totally correctly says as well, the weird treatment of sex in this film mm. is all a bit like weirdly distasteful. And what I found was there were elements to it which were very clever in the same way that, you know, when you watch Psycho, you know, Psycho starts off as this total other film, and you think it's mm. all going to be about Janet Lee. Yeah, yeah, thought, yeah, what? yeah, It's yeah. not about... And it's the same with this one. I thought, if this was a, a, a film made for a more modern audience, the whole thing would be, someone has set this man up. Mm. Who has set him up? Yeah, who is yeah, the yeah. real... Si- and, and the whole journey of the film would be uncovering who is, who is the real serial killer. Yes. Whereas with this, Hitchcock very early on goes, here's your murderer. Yeah. Here he is. Yeah. And so it ends up being this weird kind of dual film, as you said, where yeah. on one hand, it's all about Vandervolk being a serial killer mm. and featuring the, the, which we'll get onto, I think, in, in a bit, the bit on the back of the potato. That's my favourite oh, bit. I, that's my favourite bit. But it felt like it was from a different film almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then 
a man trying to prove his innocence. They felt like two entirely separate films. I, I, I really quite like that. The issue is about this. Yeah, the issue is with the guy that's trying to prove his innocence is that you mm. literally couldn't care less about him. Yeah, because he's a so. really miserable, self-obsessed git. I'd like his yeah. haircut though. I'd love it. <laughs> I'd love to have his hair. He's another like... one with quite a bad acne scarred face who you just think, how did this guy get famous? Yeah. I wondered if they wanted Oliver Reed. It felt like it was a, ah, a role that Oliver Reed would, that would have been just, good. Just eat and Oliver off. Reed and Michael Caine mm. in Team. Frenzy. That would have been good. TV's yeah. Oliver Reed. Reed. And I, I, I put down the two things that they said before um, his ex-wife murders him. She, she says, look, you're a good man. And, you know, you, you were okay. And I put down that the two things that he tried getting going that didn't work out was the roadhouse, the stables. <laughs> those, those are his two failed projects. Yes. <laughs> I love really weird. And the cows are going close to stables now. Yeah. <laughs> Did he punch the horse like that woman did in the news at the moment? I absolutely loved that part. Or the um, Newcastle United fan that time who punched a horse. <laughs> I think I probably punched my pony once because he bit Ooh. me um, very badly through <laughs> the back of my jacket. And um, so the, right about the same time your dad was kicked by a cow. <laughs> oh, he wasn't. What, an animal's kicked, attack. Yeah, he's been kicked by a cow many times. Um, he had a trap to go over his foot once, and um, his his welly was full of blood. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the soup. So then we have the soup. Um, the soup that the wife. Oh God! Don't He's start. gone. <laughs> oh Christ! He's possessed again, John. Oh, sorry. I'm not. <laughs> so then we have the scene with the soup. Um, and I and I think again, the wife and the husband, the wife and the main police officer, who's their names kind of aren't really important, are they? But no, they're no. they're like in a separate film again, and I think I'd rather yeah. watch a film with them, which They're is right. like. A Chief comedy. Inspector Tim Oxford and Mrs. Oxford. Oh, I don't ever hear anyone calling Tim Oxford <laughs> in this <laughs> film. No. I just kind of think that a film where she is like serving him like people she's murdered and he's eating dead bodies is another, you know, film film yeah. on its own. Far more um, interesting. Oh, that's a good film. Like yeah. like Let's watch that. So then we have the body in the truck sequence. Yeah, so um, bonkers. let's not go over that quick too soon because yeah. basically... I think we're at that sequence, aren't we? Yeah, mm. basically he, he realises that his um, very uh, distinctive typing, which he's been yes. making his teeth in with discussing All the way through, way through the, the film, fucking film, is in... Uh, He's left that evidence with the uh, the body, which he's he's put in the back of a potato. Who um, is Babs? Who is, is the Babs, girlfriend yeah. of? Okay, um, okay. if Dick. he doesn't want it to be caught, don't have anything to do with fruit and veg with, with <laughs> disposing of the bodies because he's basically put it in a, a, a potato van. So he has to get in the back of the potato van, and there's some evidence on there that could um, uh, reveal who he implicate is. Implicate him, so, yeah. yeah. Implicate us. Yeah, trying to. Skirt around. Fumble for a bit Fumble. like Bob. Exactly. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so he gets in the back of the van and there's, yeah, it's him trying to get this out. Of, and, and that was my one of my favourite parts of it. It's, I think it's yes. a, a very memorable set piece. It's a very good set piece. For some reason, I don't know why he thinks it's a good idea to put a body in a potato bag. Potato van. It's in weird. The, in the back of a tr- truck going to up north somewhere. But he also dresses up like Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> In Mary Poppins to do it. 
He's got different clothes on to put this bag in the back of the potato. It's like a Bedford lorry going mm. up north somewhere, isn't it? They, there is, is it Michael Sheard actually, who is the guy that talks about his potato business? That that, that yeah, transport <laughs> is oh, oh, it's so expensive. The transport, you know, it's oh, killing potatoes. my business. Potato. Potatoes is an idiot. Like Tim Burch is Tim Burch is complaining about the markup on vinyl. In, um... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, so it's brilliant. Uh, a tour de force, and um, it's strangely humor. funny as well. But also, it's them putting you in because at that point you kind of start rooting for the murderer. Yes, you want, you want him to find the um the typing. No, I know, no, at no point. I was I was really hoping that he was going to be. That kind of like he was going to fail to do it, and then that yes. would end up being the piece of evidence that implicates him later on. But no. only I, you wanted the film to end, yeah, yeah, no, yeah probably. Yeah. I think that um, it's not necessarily that you are rooting for him, but there's a kind of the way it's cut is is implying that it's going in that direction, and you should kind of feel for him in this predicament but it's like you're not going to feel for him because he's a rapist and a murderer mm. and i think that it's quite nuanced and again it, it this film wouldn't get made today because i don't mm. think people would be able to deal with a, a nuanced kind of thing where it's like you're kind of questioning yourself kind of identifying with a murderer yeah and also you kind of yeah. have like the, the um the humor around him breaking the fingers no no not at yeah. all and implying that he might cut her fingers off, but he's actually going to um, prise them apart with his his, his knife, which is like getting broken. Uh, yeah, he breaks his pen knife, and then he, he he breaks each finger, and it's it's all very grotesque. But then, um, the the truck stops in like a uh, truck Roadhouse. stop kind of place. Yeah. yeah, um, the kind of calf that you don't see anymore for long That's distance right. lorry drivers, which is because now we got brakes. Mm. It's a shame that you don't see those anymore. I used to love seeing those on like the A1 or the, you know, the, I can see you running one of those, road. John. Oh, I'd love to. Jukebox, yeah. frying some eggs. John's place. Um, medium wave radio, uh, crackling away. So, yeah, it's, they pull in there. He gets out. He manages to kind of to to go in there and infiltrate his, his way into there. The lorry drives off and then. I think it, does the the lorry then drive past some policemen in a, in like a Rover P6 yes. or something, and they yep. see like a, a the woman's leg hanging out. Legs hanging out, yeah. They arrest they, they arrest our protagonist. He get he gets arrested, and then in a, quite a fast sequence, the law you know the evidence is stacked up against him. Yeah, he is sent down for murder. Or then yeah. in one of the most ridiculous bits, he then goes. I know it was you, Van der Volk, or whatever the guy's yeah. name was. Well, you know, Bobby Crush. So he's basically, yeah, but it was you, Bobby Crush, and he's declaring in court <laughs> it was this guy who murdered him. And I've one of my last notes. I thought surely someone would look into this. Yeah, surely yeah. someone he does. Goes, Why does is he? Yeah, but not to you know. Uh, not that's to, that's oh, just anyway. before a very uh, again another great Hitchcock thing where you you see you don't hear any of the sound from the court. Yes. The door closes behind someone and then it's just silent, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, Which, again, is very clever and I really like that part. Um, And then he's taken down. 
But as as he's taken down, he swears vengeance, doesn't he? He's like, I'll get you. Um, and then while he's in prison, we see that our policeman, who's been still having to eat abysmal food served to him by his <laughs> wife, kind of expresses <laughs> doubts. He's like, oh, something's a bit funny about this case. Yeah. I'm not too sure about it. And starts investigating things himself. Just like the um, police do all the time. They, all they the think, time. Well, I've got someone. Yeah. I'm going to come and investigate. investigate. And, and they would certainly discuss it with their wives. Yeah. These days, a true crime podcast would would pick up his his story <laughs> and get get released. Um, but in order to Ten get hour out episodes, yeah, he uh, the uh, you know the bad actor, the toast of London, um, throws his name. <laughs> he, he is though, isn't he? He's very toast of London. Yeah. He to get out of prison, he throws himself down the stairs in this prison in a really weird scene. Norman like, Stanley oh! Fletcher. And then then goes into a carry on uh, carry on matron film. The, yeah, that, that again. part is amazing. Where it's so carry on or like um, Doctor in Distress or not Doctor in Distress. Doctor Who, uh, not Doctor Who, Doctor, um, oh God. Um, Doctor in the House? Dirk Bogard. So those films where it's like, you know, James Robertson Justice or something. But he, yes. he, um So he's in bed with all the um, crooks and they, for some reason, he's managed to win over the crooks to drug the guards on the hospital <laughs> ward. And then all he does... Besides the fact he's only wearing pyjamas, he's put a lab coat on and then he manages to escape from the hospital, which is amazing. Then he manages to get into a car and start it just by touching two wires together. Yeah. It's <laughs> As brilliant. people could do. When it speeds it's... off really, really fast. Yeah. Not, to not, to not raise any um, <laughs> suspicion at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Like, he the, and um, the, uh, the guy who's um, eating the, um, the pig's foot yeah. Flops it out through through the little trumpet, like we said. <laughs> yeah. Because he gets a phone call saying he's escaped. I know where he's going. He's going to Valdevox's house. Mm. He rushes off there. Um uh what's his name? Dick, Dick gets, gets gets there before them, goes up get, as all the way through this film, can just walk into this um Van der Vox house because yeah. he never, never locks a no front one door. Lo- no one locked a door in London in the city. If I was murdering now. someone, I certainly wouldn't lock my front door. Yeah. Goes in, um <laughs> beats so someone, someone in the bed, bed. Yeah. with, with a, blonde hair, with blonde hair, it's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, with a, is it a starting handle off of a car? Yes. Yeah. I uh, know, like um, what, uh, uh, wheel a wheeljack thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so basically, beats it and then he realizes it's um a naked woman. <gasps> who's dead? Policeman, yeah, who's, who's dead. dead? He hasn't killed her. She was already yeah. dead. Policeman she was already comes strangled. in. The policeman comes in as well. Sees yeah. him. You feel like oh, oh no, oh no. But then yeah. he goes shush. Vandervolt comes in with a big trunk. Yeah. And the last line is Uh Bobby Crush, you're not wearing your tie. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Cut to the box. Brilliant ending. Loved it. Yeah, it's a great ending. It's a brilliant ending. But yeah, that 
it does feel very bearing in mind how much content they get through the film said like three four different films at once that they knew more happens in all in about five ten minutes yes isn't it? and when you do any kind of basic screenwriting classes they say the final acts of your film should almost play out in real time yes so like the last 15 minutes of the film should be <laughs> 15 minutes of what uh, in in the film's world as it were but yeah. this is just like let's just crush it all together really quick yeah it, it does doesn't it make a huge amount of sense where no. he's asleep in bed the guy's drugged he puts on a lab coat he leaves he drives somewhere across london it, you know it could be anywhere it could be in middlesex it could be in yeah. northamptonshire uh, um yes so it's a very strange patchwork it's a frankenstein's monster of a film did i enjoy it i don't know i think i enjoyed it to give, us a, a level. Give, give us a score then john give us a score without me looking up every other score I've ever, and then this is the thing i have to be relative to other scores james what did you score it two. Oh, a two from james yeah two out of five uh, and, and how two does that compare for the... to death line well, similar similar you know in that kind of really intriguing historical artifacts really mm. interesting and great to see as, as we discussed those couple of real kind of vintage hitchcock moments but this felt like mm. a weird patchwork quilt film to me that was totally it's all over the show patchy, isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i like, wouldn't want to watch it again oh. no it was much longer than i remembered yeah and i think could do an edit of it which was an hour and a half and it would make a lot more sense because i watched it twice because yeah. i'm not very good at remembering things because we weren't meant to do this we weren't going to do this last week mm. second time i watched it i found the first half was like oh this is boring because the first time i watched it i completely bought into what they were trying to do mm. and then it was mm. like oh it's not him mm. uh, but the second half i really enjoyed and um okay. so i feel like uh it, it's one of those films where um it's probably the, it's best going into it cold and then yes. uh, allow it to, um it may, maybe doesn't uh, stand up to um Rewatching. Also, mm. yes, it's very, very strange tonally, and like you said, John, that there's some very questionable points of views. But I think growing up, everyone always when I was started get, watching Hitchcock films, everyone was saying what a misogynist he was and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And me just being a naive prick was like, oh, I don't see that. But then now, as you get older, you go, oh yeah, you can, mm. see, you oh can definitely, yeah. you can definitely see it. And particularly you can see it in this film mm. however talking to you guys about it again i, I was going to give us a three i'm going to give it a four because um, <laughs> i really enjoyed it i thought that just for some of those hitchcockian mm. little touches which i think i will i will always remember that mm. those, those two pullbacks i think mm. the um the bit with the um uh, in in the courts where you don't hit see it you, uh, you don't yeah. hear it you only see it even though it's the end of the this master master sort of career you can still see there's some um, really good touches which still mm. uh, are uh, impressive now it's not really a horror film but i think viewed with the tr- loose trilogy that i am going to call the 1972 trilogy um i would say that it's probably a two for me what um what did i what did i give 1970 uh, ad 1972 yeah see i i really like that film and yeah. what was Deathline? 
That was two, wasn't it? Two, yeah. So I'm going to say that this was a 2.5 because I think it's more enjoyable than Deathlight. Yes. I mean, it's a really hard watch, isn't it? It's a hard watch. <laughs> <laughs> we, what? There is there's, apart from the Omen, <laughs> there's not one where all of us agree on something. No. That's good. No, yeah. that is good. That is good. That's very good. I should say one of our listeners and um, followers on Twitter has written mm. a book about Frenzy. Ooh. Um, good uh, yeah, so Devil uh, Devil's Advocates, which I yeah. believe is a, a series of books where they cover different horror horror um, films. Yeah, um, written by Ian Cooper is one of our uh, yeah. So Ian Cooper, who's on Twitter, he's written a book on Frenzy. Yeah, this is someone who's done a lot of research on it, obviously, and loves the film a lot. So if anyone's interested in this film, recommend going to get that book. And, Ooh, uh, I'd and like, yeah, I'd like to see. That. Well done, Mister Cooper. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I also. Um, did a little bit of research. Mm. Whatever British horror films came out in mm. 1972. Mm. I'm going to run them past you, John, to see mm. if you think any of them might be worth doing, if mm. I can find. So this make us even more niche. Than we exactly. Yeah. We, could, we could have done a 1972 uh, podcast, I, I believe. Oh. Uh, oh, the Asfax? Asfix? The Asfix. The Asfix. 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 <laughs> <laughs> <Not> the Asfix. <laughs> That's a different Ross. genre. Ross, that was a different film that was showing in Soho at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Assmaster. <laughs> um, yes, Demon- that's quite, yeah. Is that it's any quite good? boring. It's quite okay. boring. Demons yeah. of the Mind. That's an interesting Hammer film. It's very weird and, and quite, quite boring, but very strange. The Fiend. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's really good. It's got a really weird intro song. Um, which goes something like, soak me in his blood, soak me in his blood. And I thought that it was um, Shirley Bassey singing it, but it's not Shirley Bassey. It's like a Shirley Bassey lookalike. It's okay, really so that's a good, though. that's a potential yeah. for um, the 2022 season. Uh, yeah. The Flesh and Blood Show. Oh, I don't know. I've never heard of that. Fright. <laughs> that's quite a non-specific title, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, never heard of it. Tales from the Crypt. Yes, I think that's a good one. And I think that's potentially got Tom Baker in it. <laughs> Tower of Evil. Oh, that's dreadful. Twins of Evil. Twins of Evil is brilliant. You'll like that, Cleves, because it's got some raunchy buxom twins. One's good and one's evil. And it's Peter Cushion as like a Puritan um, okay, so we're pe- axe-wielding vicar right, in that- like Transylvania. Wow. Right, that's yeah. a list. And Vampire Circus. That's okay. That's Lala Ward and um, um, yeah, uh, Adrienne Corrie, I think, is in it. Adrienne Corrie. It's okay. Again, it's quite boring. It's, okay. it's a latter hammer, so it's a bit like, it's a bit like, guys, I've got an idea. Vampire Circus. <laughs> and it's literally well, the it. title, and then it's like, uh, where's the script on the first day? But um. Okay, well, The Fiend and Twins of Evil are added to the 2022. Yeah, um, I, think, I think you'd enjoy Vampire Circus as well, because I do think there's probably some dwarves in it. Um, there's some of those bendy mirrors, and then it, then it all goes a bit sinister. So I think we've, stuff- we've reviewed it now, that's it. So. <laughs> dwarves and bendy mirrors. I 
can't remember what happens next. Uh, Something, something horrific. horrific I've read and watched quite a lot of horrific things this month, but um, the main thing I've been doing is reading the stories of E.F. Benson, mm-hmm. um, who was the man that wrote the Map and Lucia, Lucia uh, novels, mm-hmm. which are very popular in the 1920s and 30s, or, or just the 1930s, I don't know. What's the other um, one he, he wrote? Because I've got it, and I, I started reading it. Just, it was just like some kind of trip. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So he wrote an awful lot of horror uh, ghost stories. That are, The book is like a brick. It's called Night Terrors. The one I've got up to so far is called The Outcast. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, really interesting short story, which is about this lady that moves to a village um, and basically no one can stand her. There's mm-hmm. nothing There's nothing actually that they can put their finger on that they don't mm-hmm. like about her. But it, it, it's a story about um, um, reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And the implication is that someone who she was in a past life was a murderer or, or some kind of grotesque figure. And that kind of recurring character trait is something that these people can't shed. Mm-hmm. And there's a really memorable... I think oh, it would good. make a re- really good TV drama. There's a really good memorable scene where she's gone to Egypt on holiday and everyone in this village are like, oh, thank God she's gone because we she just like gives us the willies yeah yeah Yeah. and then basically they find that she's um drowned at sea or she's been buried at sea on the on the trip back from egypt with osama bin laden (laughs) but then the wife of the main character is walking down a beach and her body washes up on the on the seashore in a body bag and it's really oh it's a nighttime murderer (laughs) yeah it's a really, really good thought-provoking um, short story. It's one of those short stories that you know creates a really powerful imagery in your okay. head. Sounds good, um, and I, and yeah. I think it's uh, quite ahead of its time. Another one I was reading um, of his, and I can't remember the title of it, but it's a definite precursor to the Stone Tape, where rather than um, uh, the idea of the physicality of a space. Um, recording these kind of memories and, and, and feelings. There is talk of like um, cylinders, like wax cylinders recording like mm. memories and stuff. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if it, it's not where Nigel Neal got the idea from. Because nice. straight away I was struck with how similar to the stone tape it was. So yeah, EF Benson, very good. Um, cool. Seen... seen Seen very much in um, Mr. James's Shadow, not as good as Mr. James, but did have some really, really good and interesting ideas, and and really well worth. If you want a good Christmas ghost story collection, have a look for Night Terrors. Um, well, I have tried to read one of his novels. You know, when people are trying, to, it's almost like someone just trying to describe a dream they've had, and it, and yeah, it, I just couldn't get get through that but the short stories might be good a good one to watch i i read a short biography of him and it says something like so it basically his father was the archbishop of canterbury Ooh. he had a very difficult victorian upbringing and one of either his sister or his brother did something like draw did a drawing of his father and then buried it in the ground in the garden and said i hate daddy or something like that wow. it just sounds like they had the most intense mad like um uh, Victorian upbringing. What I wanted to bring up is that I've been reading Interview with the Vampire. 
with oh, Anne Rice. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. And I've almost finished it. And then uh, uh, Anne Rice was sadly um, yes. uh, died recently. You know, I was a massive, I think I was almost tipping over into Gotham at one point um, uh, whilst I was in, uh, at six, uh, in sixth form. Really got I, into I Anne say Rice. that you've never left it more than anything else, please. <laughs> Do I look like what? a goth? Uh, what mark did you give Hellraiser? <laughs> I think it's five out of five. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I'm not one for rewatching or rereading things, but I'm, yeah. I'm getting to the point where there's things which I haven't read or watched for like over twenty mm. years. Yeah, so, so I'm they able. Feel to, new. They feel new. Well, so for example, I watched Rushmore. That's the way I understand. Okay, yeah, 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 I watched yeah, Rushmore yeah, the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Knowing I've watched it, it was what like I'd never seen it before. And I was like, wow. and I, my memory must have been the Royal Tenenbaums or, mm. or or something because it was like, okay, well, I know I've seen this. I can't remember anything about it. And it was it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Mm. However, reading Into a Vampire, it's, it's as if like I've completely forgotten it until I read and I know what the next page is going to be yeah. all the way along. And it's like, so it's, it, it's, it's, and she does take fucking ages to get to the point. And, and it's very, very like, you know. Purple bros. Yeah. yeah. Worrying about like the existence of God and stuff. And I think she did. <laughs> I think her, um, my, my memory was that her child died and she lost her religion and then she got religion back towards the end That's of That's right. She became a born again Christian. Yeah. So I, I, I've got. And Rice did all the characters yeah. in the And book. Rice. No, uh, Rice. And I went to Corf Castle the other day and in the, uh, in the National Trust bookshop mm. there, they had loads of Anne Rice vampire chronicle books in there for like 50p each i've nearly got all of them now um, <laughs> that's a sensible place to have them isn't it so i probably won't <laughs> read the, the um the christian ones at the end um oh. but yeah very it, it's it's good to go back to it it's it's, it's remo- and i i do want to go and watch the film again although I, this is one of the only books um where often when if i see a film of a book i can't help see those characters when i'm reading it mm, I'm yeah definitely not seeing um, Brad Pitt Tom, and Tom Cruise, Cruise. Tom Cruise about, yeah. yeah I watched the film once when Helen and I were on holiday somewhere and it was absolute shite uh, yeah. it's just dreadful isn't it it's that era of yeah. Hollywood where it's so glossy that it's just yeah. like it's it's unwatchable almost yeah but um, it, it was that era of when you know Bram Stoker's Dracula came in and like yeah, yeah, vampires yeah, yeah. were like everywhere it was probably on the back of that that success actually wasn't it yeah. it was like the year after or something mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, just want to say, um, you know, uh, rest in peace, Anne Rice. Unless you want to come back as a vampire and then, you know, get out there and suck some blood. Okay. okay. <laughs> my, my my quick one for something horrific is something that hasn't been on yet, but yeah. it's going to be on on yeah. Christmas Eve. Come on, James. I know where you're going with this. It is. I've, I've forgotten what it's called. Mesotent. Thank you. Mark Gates it's is the, the Mesotent. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, it's going to be the Mesotents, which is the now almost traditional. It's really nice that the BBC have brought, brought this back, and especially hands mm. off to Mark Gates for being the man who's kind of spearheaded it, having mm. a ghost story, usually an MR James ghost story, on Christmas Eve, sets the stage beautifully. I really loved a couple of years back, Martin's Close, yes. which I still think was Superb. fantastic. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to this. So mm. by the time this podcast comes out, people will be able to watch it on iPlayer. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure yeah. International friends will be able to find it by other means. But it's going to be half an hour. So. Fantastic. Thanks, James. It, yeah. yeah, I'm very looking forward to that. It, and if anyone didn't hear it, 
And Mark Gatiss did a very nice interview on with Nahal again on Five Live the other day, which was a really mm. quite a long interview, like 20 minute interview. And it was a very informative interview about his writing process and like his inspiration, stuff he'd done with RTD and um, how his house has got a secret tunnel. Uh, very interesting uh, interview, actually, where he also, um, someone said to him about um, The Amazing Mr. Blunden coming out in 1974. And he said, actually, it came out in 1972. Nice. And the way he said it, I thought was just like, He's yes. the man. He's the man. He's the yeah, man. it was excellent. Mark, so, if you're yeah. listening, please come on the show. <laughs> I do love you. I, I know you're a friend of John's already, but... Um, <laughs> I, I, well, I met him once in about 2015. <laughs> well, I do feel Good like enough. he's one of the few celebrities for like if i could get over my nerves i i reckon i could be friends with you yes he's great he's a good guy he, he, he does some very good impressions of roger moore <laughs> okay so next time on general Witchfinders, we are going to be covering two um christmas uh, horror stories for the bbc we're going to be covering the signalman and warning to the curious so <laughs> Join us for that. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to get out no for Christmas. It'll probably be here for by the end of the year. But thank you very much. I want to say thank you very much for everyone listening over uh, the, this year. Um, I think 20... Have 20, we done a year? Yeah. When did we start? Yeah. We started at the beginning of this year. Did so we, we really? We've done 20, 20 slash 21 episodes Quality. in that time. Quality. Um, so thank you very much for supporting us. Um, I've really, really enjoyed doing this again yeah um, very enjoyable yeah yeah um so uh, i'm glad uh, and off air i did ask um everyone do you want to carry on doing it and it does sound like they do um so we hope but on to- air we're not gonna bother yeah, so <laughs> hope to speak to you all again um uh next year have a have merry christmas and a, a good new a good new year yes yeah, stay yes. safe everybody until next happy, time happy new year and a merry christmas love love light and peace Bye-bye. You have been listening to The General Witchfinders. Support the show and continue the conversation at patreon.com forward slash general witchfinders. Subscribe and spread the word at generalwitchfinders.com. Farewell. You don't have nightmares. I retweeted where people are asking um, uh, uh, Howard off of take that when he was doing like a live um, Twitter session. So I was yeah. asking him, um, Howard, how uh, long time fan, first time watcher, do you think Barry Jaws was wrongly acquitted of the murder of your dad? <laughs> <laughs> Is he still alive, Barry George? I don't know if well, I'm saying so. ha- Howard off of um, take I, that. I think, he, I, think <laughs> he went to live on the, I, I think he went to live on the Isle of Wight, John, as memory serves. <laughs> Did, did he jump he there to... on his roller skates? I about that.
face plant. Oh, or does he do a very painful splits or something? I can't remember. That's Michael Crawford. I tried to get my kids to watch um, some of his And the first thing I was wish it... we were recording the video of this to put James on. Oh, oh my Whereas god. In, oh, yeah, the first joke the I was having was a joke about it asking a nurse, can we give him a wank in the um in the car park? And was they it Robbie Williams? <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop. Oh, I, I feel that we should explain once again for any of our listeners who are not from these shores. She was a you know, kind of very leading British TV presenter, and she was shot outside her home. And there are it's a horrible theory. story. It's a weird yeah, story, they're... isn't it? And That's, I made a film yeah. about it at university for my <laughs> final piece. Oh, lovely, right? So there were a number of different theories as to who had murdered her and why and all the rest of it. But basically, because there was so much pressure because she was a media celebrity, the police arrested this guy who clearly had like learning, learning disabilities, a guy called Barry George. Mm. What? But there are two remarkable things about him. (laughs) Number one is that he told people that he was Freddie Mercury's cousin, and (laughs) when Princess Diana died, left a bouquet of flowers saying "R.I.P. Diana, Princess of Hearts, um, love from uh, Barry Balsara." Barry Balsara, not Freddie Balsara. (laughs) Open brackets, Freddie's cousin. So he was kind of passing himself off as Freddie Mercury's cousin for yonks, which is brilliant. And then also, thinking about it, uh, I'd read about this thing. And then when his conviction was finally overturned, they put this on TV that at some point in the 1980s, he was trying to raise money for some kind of charity and said, I'm going to jump over a London. He told everyone he was a stuntman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He told people that he was a stuntman and that he was going to like jump over um, parts double decker of London bus. double-decker buses on roller skates. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the footage is just remarkable. It was kind of like jackass before it's time that he basically goes down the ramp and immediately just wipes out. And it's just like in a crumpled heap on the floor. It's magnificent. Oh, and also, and I don't want to, you know, set John off too much. Of course, it's too much trauma. But I noticed the other day they brought out a Blu-ray of Threads. Oh, we mastered it. I was just going to mention Threads. Then, yeah, Christ, Threads. Uh, that uh, level. Sorry, okay. unwatchable, isn't it? Really? I've oh. still never seen it. On a watch oh, it. that last episode. Either. Out. It would it would keep you awake forever, Cleves. Yeah. I, I don't think you should watch When it. the wind blows really upset me, so oh, yeah. oh, like, oh. well it's like that turned up to about a million. <laughs> True. Okay. Did you did either of you see Village of the uh Angels on Doctor Who? Yes, very good, isn't no. it? You should watch it, James. It's it's All right. the, by far the standout episode of the season. Um, okay. The, the rest of the season is just, Shit. N- n- just nonsensical. Yeah, it's just, mm. uh, you, you get to the end and go, whoever was watching me, she kept asking questions, and I go, shh, shh. And I was like, I can't answer any of these questions. And every time we talk, I'm hoping that they might answer it for me. But none of this fucking makes sense. Yeah, they build up the baddies, build up the baddies, and then they just disappear. Yeah. They're really good baddies. And then it's like, well, they've just disappeared. It's obviously that it's Omega from um, the three doctors who is made of antimatter 
right. who is who is a time lord from the same time as Rassilon. He's obviously going to be reve- revealed as the bad guy. Um, but it was just yeah. That doesn't mean anything to anyone. Like you know, no, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know oh I know. man, yeah, but. Time Lords, but the, anyway, the, the Angels one and time, the Santorin was one was good, but the rest of it was just yeah. Shit. Time of the Angels is um, the ending is filmed in a Neolithic barrow, which is just by Culverhouse Cross called Tinkins Wood, uh, and it was really weird to see it on TV because I've only ever been there on my own, and mm. there's never a soul around. And then it was like, whoa! Just to see it with all the angels stood there was really, really mm. weird. Well, one of the things but, in, in this book, there's yeah. a, a barrow near us, which apparently if you go and listen to it at, at midday, you can hear uh, otherworldly music coming from it. Uh, so I'm, gonna, uh, um, I'm taking the kids up there to do that. Nice. So, <laughs> so Castle Cock, high Victorian yeah. medieval inspired interiors of this 19th century fancy are reflected in the interests of John Patrick Crichton Stewart, the yeah. film Marcus of Blah, Gay. blah, blah. Mm. Held regular okay. Um, he was fascinated by ancient religions, astrology, and the occult, and he held regular seances and telepathic experiments in the estates in Cardiff and Scotland. Did and he? served as vice chairman of the Physical Research Council? He used psychical, fa- psychical. Sorry, mm. he used his family fortune to leave an impressive archaeological legacy commissioned in architect William blah 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 blah. Burgess, yeah. Uh, the original castle cock was a Norman Mott and Bailey castle and later stone keep owned by Eiffel Bach in the 12th century the mm. Welsh leader who kidnapped the, kidnapped the Earl of Gloucester and his family holding them hostage until he recovered the land he mm. lost Bach and his treasures are purportedly buried in a secret chamber under cast, under the castle guarded mm. by two stone eagles who spring mm. to life who's to scare off grave robbers the eagles are said to be two of Bach's men who the noble one petrified using black magic. Black magic. Ooh. There we go. Never heard that before. Interesting. And I didn't know he was into psychical research. So a well-known homosexual and and uh, the lover of William Burgess, some people say, the architect. Yeah, so it's a good book, this. this is, um, cool. I was considering getting that. Is it Hellbore or Hellbore? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Hellbore. They do like um, a regular sort of um, magazine. I've got a couple mm. of them. Like, they're good. It's, it's, mm. a good. it's a good thing to... Mm. And it wasn't expensive. I can't remember how much it was. Like seven ninety nine. Yeah, tenner or something like that. Tenor. Yeah, recommend that. Get that. Yeah, cool. get that. There we are. Well done, Jess. All right, guys. Bye, Have guys. a lovely Christmas. Christmas. Have a good Christmas if I don't yes, see you, you before. Too. Yeah. Love you lots. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.